Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. On this edition of the show, we are going to be talking a little bit more Summer League, actually nothing about Summer League, just some some fun stuff that Kyle and interesting stuff that Kyle got doing interviews out there. UK Athletics is on another list near the top of an impressive impressive performance for their overall sports. Uh, Trey Lyles news. Uh, Julius Randle was a big part of a feature. And um, we're going to touch on the, the biggest NBA news of the day because indirectly it will, of course, impact some UK guys. Uh, but let's start, Kyle, with your, what did you title it, your big blue wrap-up of uh, Summer League? Uh, something like that. I didn't put the headline on it. I don't write the headlines, as we like to say. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, so I think there, let's see, Tyler Hero, uh, Reed Travis, Jared Vanderbilt, Winyan Gabriel, Aaron Harrison, Keldon Johnson, and Willie Cauley-Stein, I think, are all, mm-hmm. uh, all have their own, uh little vignettes in there i caught up with those guys and and, and a few more about a dozen people total uh have several things coming out of the interviews from vegas i spent uh about 16 hours over two days out at summer league just tracking down all the kentucky guys there and uh working on at least one really cool project that's uh going to be a a a really long in-depth piece about an important part of kentucky basketball that i'm looking for to share with people's peace. Uh, it was just kind of a, like you said, a roundup. P.J. Washington and I didn't talk to him. He's not playing out there because of his foot injury. But um, some other guys just had really interesting stories to me. One of the most interesting ones was Reed Travis. He's probably the, one of the longest shots of the 13 Summer League to actually make a roster or really maybe even get any kind of a deal. Uh, and part of that, we've talked a little bit on here about it, that we didn't realize that his uh, knee injury had so precluded him from working out in uh, the pre-draft stuff for teams. Um, and so I talked to him about that, and it was pretty bad. Apparently the he was really toughing it out on that knee. Uh, as you remember, he, he finally came back for the uh, SEC tournament wearing a brace. And then in the NCAA tournament at some point, he felt like it was starting to make him cramp up, I think, in the Wofford game. Yeah, well, I was actually then, talking to T.J. Beisner about that the other night um, when I was hosting Big Blue Insider, and it was late in that Wofford game where he just ripped it off and tossed it aside because he wanted to, as you said, it was cramping, and he wanted the full mobility to finish down the stretch. Yeah, and so for, I think, the whole rest of the NCAA tournament, another two and a half games he played with it just wrapped. Um, and he told me that by the end of that Elite Eight game against Auburn, overtime game, I think he played a ton of minutes in that game, too. I, I should have pulled up that box score, but I think he might have played 40-plus minutes on that knee. He said he could barely walk. Um, and then he you know, tried to rest it and get back to his training, and every time he started training, he would have a setback on that knee until he finally just had to shut it down. And so then two weeks ago, but almost three weeks ago now, he finally felt like he could go, and he knew he needed to get in incredible shape. And he called Kenny Payne and said, I've kind of put him in a bad spot. You know, just said, hey, can I come out there? Can I come back to Lexington and see what you can do with me? And, uh, and Kenny Payne put him through the ringer, and they got up every morning and went out to the U.K. track and field and 
uh, in the hot sun and ran sprints and drills and um, he looked great out there at summer league in terms of being in really good shape. And so um, his agent finally got a team that would take him on the summer league and give him a, give him a look. And yeah, I, th- I don't think he's going to get a contract out of this. He may have to go overseas still, but uh, I thought it was interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, interesting that he came back and trusted Kenny with his, with his getting him fit for everything and said he felt as good as he could going into this thing and uh, has played pretty limited minutes and had a, relatively limited impact to this point in summer league which runs i think through the 15th but uh but at least he got a shot you know he got to put on an nba uniform and give it a shot and uh uh so that was interesting and then what he said about i kind of had already talked to his dad about this but i wanted to ask him more about that idea from some of those quotes that his father gave the herald leader a while back that maybe he regretted going to kentucky because it didn't help him solidify his draft stock and he basically said like you can't blame Kentucky for that. Uh, and also that it was, I think he said, uh, narrow-minded to think that he could only be happy with his experience based on the NBA draft. You know, he, he basically said that the, the time, the fun times that he had, the experience of being a Kentucky basketball player, of making a deep run in the NCAA tournament with that group, you know, he will always cherish and that because of it, he would never regret having gone to Kentucky. So I thought all that was interesting. I thought that was probably the most interesting conversation uh, that I had out there. And I would say second most interesting and probably Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. Jared Vanderbilt um, saying that they would be, uh, be in the final four if he was able to be healthy. <laughs> you know, uh, like I tend to agree with that. And now uh, I think his, I saw a stat today and it was actually a tweet from him, Kyle that he's leading the summer league in rebounds per game, and he quote-tweeted it and said, board man gets paid. <laughs> Which is an athletic thing. Uh, that famous Kawhi Leonard phrase came out of our uh, oral history of uh, Kawhi Leonard's college days. That little nugget got revealed, and it caught fire. The board man gets paid. It's on T-shirts. Uh, Kawhi has adopted that phrase. And now Jared Vanderbilt's out there uh, sharing it. But, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt, I, I – said at the time when he was at UK and even in a small sample size and having seen him in high school, I think Jared Vanderbilt is the best rebounder John Calipari has ever signed. And, you know, he averaged like 18 and a half rebounds uh, per 40 minutes, I think it was, um, in those 14 games that he played with Kentucky. He's just an uncanny rebounder. And he had not played any heavy minutes in over two years until this summer league. Even last year when he finally got, he had surgery and he finally got cleared with the Nuggets. He played a few games with the Nuggets, a few games in the G League. He was averaging 13, 14, 15 minutes a game, about the same as he got at Kentucky. So it had been since high school, since he played real major minutes. And I think he played 27 minutes, 25 or 27 minutes in his summer league debut, uh, just when I talked to him, and then 25 or so minutes. And then in his third game, he played 31 minutes, he had 20 points and he had 17 rebounds, which and, and he had another double double. I think 12 and 12 in, a, in the game before that. So yeah, he leads the NBA summer league in rebounding, and the fact that he was able to play 31 minutes and be that productive is hugely encouraging. We all know summer league can be sort of dismissed to us to an extent in summer league stats, but for a guy like Jared Vanderbilt, who at one point was considered a lottery pick, was a McDonald's All American, top 10 overall recruit. I mean, you've seen his physical stature. He's a, you know, he's a 
really well put together power forward. Uh, he's kind of a point forward. He can do all these things, and he's just a monster rebounder. You know that's in there. He just has to be healthy, and if he's healthy enough to be playing 25, 27, and then 31 minutes uh, at the NBA Summer League, that's I would think the Nuggets have got to be hugely uh, encouraged. And we're talking about one of the best, you know, one of the five or six best teams in the NBA staying intact, and then you add a guy like Jared Vanderbilt, who was basically taken as a flyer because of his injury situation the year before in the draft in the late 40s. Um, you know, he's got a chance to. I think he's got a chance to really add something to that team. Yeah, I completely agree. And they're they're pretty dependent. Well, not dependent. As you said, they're a good team. But if they want to take the next step, it seems like it'll be all based off of two SEC guys that were coming off uh, big injuries and in Michael Porter Jr. as well as Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, if those guys can live up to what we saw in their prep careers, then the Nuggets could really be something in the upcoming seasons. And that's going to lead us into the next discussion we're going to have in the next segment because it's that's about injuries around basketball and a big centerpiece of that story, which was posted on ESPN on Thursday, is a former Wildcat, Julius Randle. So we're going to discuss that in just a minute, but before that, I do want to tell you guys about Twillery. If you go to twillery.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on, you're going to get $25 off your order been telling you about them for a while, but today I'm going to tell you about the untuckable shirts. Casual shirting cut to untuck. Casual smart just got smarter. Meet the untuckables classic shirting that is tailored for untucked greatness, featuring a perfectly untuckable tail length and our, their signature T-snap. These are the perfect evolution of a look that all, is always casual but never careless. So go ahead, unwind, unplug, and most importantly, untuck. Life's just too short to live tucked in. And as I said, if you go to twillery.com slash locked on, that's T-W-I-L-L-O-R-Y dot com and use the promo code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get $25 off your order. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Baxter Holmes of ESPN had a monster story, and full disclosure, Kyle hadn't had a got, gotten a chance to read it, and I haven't read it all, uh, but I read the first part, and it's something that has been talked about a lot, injuries in young basketball players, and this kind of also goes down the path of, is specialization in sports good or bad? Kyle, like starting off there real quick, I think most people are on the same page that specialization super early is not good for athletes. Yeah, and then, you know, I think you talked about, you told me that that story also goes into, and this they go hand in hand, you know, these young guys having personal trainers and, you know, uh, being on these travel teams. That, I mean, third grade, fourth grade travel teams, and these trainers will train guys at that age. Uh, I'm not saying that's good or bad, I, I, but I think if, you, if you're just from a young age at it nonstop, you know, over and over and over and over and over, you know, drilling yourself, um, especially at a time when your body's growing, your, your growth plates, your bones, all that stuff is is growing, your body's developing, and you're just pounding yourself into the, you know, pavement or the hardwood, as it were. Um, yeah, I could see why that might be a bad thing. And I, I do also think it's kind of a fine line because you hear elite basketball players talk all the time about, you know, there's just no substitute for getting in the gym and putting the time in, getting the shots up, um, 
you know, and when you get to be a pro, they all have a trainer. So that always trickles down. So now college players have a trainer and then high school players have a trainer. Um, and I think it's, it's reasonable to understand, you know, why these young guys feel like they need it and their parents feel like they need it. If their kid is going to be, uh, elite, you know, can you stand pat and just have a, you know, just go to your high school practice for a couple hours every day and go home and not spend hours and hours in the gym doing the extra stuff and still be great. I don't know. It's probably pretty tough. So that's a fine line to walk, but it's an interesting theory. Uh, it's interesting too, that Julius Randall is kind of used as the centerpiece of this, yeah, um, this story. The way it's laid out is like the first, the first section of it is basically that Julius Randall comes in in his rookie year and it's, the first round pick post Kobe. He's the guy. He's playing in the opener. He goes up and boom, he breaks his leg. And Kyle and I were talking before the show and something that isn't really in this. Well, let me just finish what what was kind of said in the first few paragraphs was basically that it was discovered that it, there was a stress reaction, which I guess is basically the terminology for pre-stress fracture. Uh, in Randall's leg, and that's what caused the break. Randall misses his entire rookie season outside of that first game, um, and then it kind of talks to the the L.A. trainer at the time, and he was just stunned because there was no contact, no kind of awkward landing for Randall. The leg just just kind of broke, and the the tagline in it is these kids are ticking time bombs, and that was they were using Randall as an example of a guy who played all these minutes. And something that is, you know, stress reaction to stress fracture is is the medically the way they explain it, based almost purely on just doing it over and over and over again. And so, you know, like Randall jumping up and down a bunch is kind of could contribute to that. But uh, it, they don't seem to factor in that Randall was dealing with injuries at UK and in the pre-draft process as well, Kyle. Yeah, and I can't even remember now the exact specifics, but I know there was a lot of buzz leading up to the draft about whether he was kind of already uh, injured. And so, it, it, like, I, I remember it not being this huge surprise when he went down in that first game. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how much you can extrapolate or connect those things. Uh, was he, you know, was he overworked in some way and that, that um, put that strain on him? I, I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I don't know. I'll, and I'll, I'll be interested to read that piece and see kind of if there's some science behind it, if there's some bona fide reason to believe that having a, you know, being in a, on a heavy AAU schedule and having a personal trainer in high school is uh, really leads you to be injured or not. But I, I do think it's, it's probably fair to say there's a fine line, you know, in just about anything when you're, when you're putting in crazy hours working towards something physically. Um, I don't know. I'll have to check that out, though. Okay, I looked it up, and it was foot with Randall. And you are kind of correct. Like, through the whole draft process, they went through this whole deal of Julius is fine, doesn't need surgery, doesn't need surgery. He gets picked and then immediately has foot surgery. <laughs> okay, I thought so, yeah. And so maybe – see, well, that's the thing with these injuries. Um, I'll say this. What I've read, there are numbers that back it up. Like, injuries with rookies and young players have increased. Those are, you know, definite numbers. And, and I also do kind of wonder, uh, like, number of teams, number of players, or more rookies playing. I don't know if they haven't – didn't, they didn't seem to factor all that in, but it seems like it's on the uptick uh, overall. 
Uh, and then with Randall specifically, uh, there's potential that all these other things that we were kind of just discussing could have impacted the injury. Just like the Kevin Durant situation, we don't know everything about it, you know what I mean? And so we're even if you're a doctor to a certain extent, I guess you can't even have all these answers. But obviously when you're invested so much in these guys, you have to ha- get as much information as possible. Yeah, I think, you know, I think some of it's just dumb luck, too. <laughs> yes. You know, like uh, the Durant thing, do I think the doctors are, were negligent? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, is it is it possible that it, for all they could possibly know that they thought he was okay and then he went out there and with bad, a, a stroke of bad luck ruptured his Achilles? Maybe. I don't know. I think some. I think sometimes it's just dumb luck. I mean, you play in sport. You're playing in a sport where you run as fast as you can, jump as high as you can, and you land in a tangle of people. Um, I'm I'm amazed that somebody doesn't break their leg, roll their ankle, or uh, tear their ACL every game in the NBA because you have these massive, powerful people jumping in crowds and somehow landing cleanly. Uh, I don't know. I, I think sometimes it's just dumb luck. Well, and that's the other thing. From a physics standpoint, like Zion and his shoe, when you have somebody that these is the size of these guys and as powerful as they are, your bo- yeah. most human bodies aren't meant to torque and land and get that high and then have as much, you know, force coming down on them. So all those things well, factor in. Yeah, and I would love to see the data. Maybe they have it, but I'd love to see the data broken down by body style, you know, yeah. body type. Um, because guys, I mean, Julius Randle is, uh, you know, uh, not that dissimilar from uh, Zion, you know, body-wise. He's yeah. a bulldozer. Well, I mean. Um, Zion's a guy that I constantly am afraid is going to just explode upon landing. Uh, you know, it was uh, a long-held uh, cautionary tale that you don't, you know, you don't draft or, or acquire uh, big men with lower, lower ex- history of lower extremity issues you know especially foot problems because they those big guys those big bodies they that's a lot to be on you know it's a lot of weight and power to be coming down on your uh your lower extremities so uh, i would like to see that data you know broken down that way too i I don't i don't think you see it i mean i'm trying to think you don't see it that much in the guards it's a lot of the big guys and which also by the way makes lebron james when you talk about unicorns, a guy that's the size of an NFL defensive end and, you know, runs like a guard flying through the air for 17 years or whatever it was before he had his first significant injury and missed significant time with an injury is almost miraculous. Yep. And, you know, if you listen to Enos Cantor, as you were saying there a moment ago, Julius Randle is Zion Williamson. He's just less athletic. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, coming up next, we're going to wrap up the NBA talk. A former UK player has now found a home. And also, we got to talk about UK Athletics doing awesome again. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. You, Kyle, I don't know. We didn't really get into it because it has no bearing on this podcast. But the whole Marcus Morris going back on his word with the San Antonio Spurs was just a chaotic moment in kind of the NBA, and it was announced today that he's signing with the Knicks. And we don't need to get into it too much, but it did have an impact on former Kentucky player Trey Lyles because he ends up signing with the Spurs, which means now there'll be two U.K. players with the Spurs next season. 
if you're going to go rehab your career and try to get a fresh start, it seems like San Antonio would be a pretty good spot. And like at the type of player that he is, like I feel like that's a match. Just you know, I, I think San Antonio is a place that could find a, a, a use for a person with his size and skill set. Um, I've always thought like Trey Lyles could be a, a good, solid NBA player, and he has been in stretches uh, at the different stops he's been. But yeah, it's also funny because I think until Kelton got drafted there. Uh, the Spurs were the one team in the NBA that Kentucky in the Calipari era had never had a player on, um, and now they have two of them. Yep, uh, short uh, order. I read that stat as well. It was a, the only team that didn't have a Calipari era UK player. They of course had Nazi Muhammad on that squad, and Nazi won a championship with the Spurs down there. So there are some UK connections, but uh, now Pop is has got a couple of UK under Calipari guys on his squad. Uh, speaking of UK guys in the NBA, there was a <laughs> poor Shea Gilgis Alexander. Everybody's trying to figure out what his life's going to be like, and I'm sure he is as well in Oklahoma City. And things keep changing. It was first going to be, oh, you got to pair yourself with Russell Westbrook. That's going to kind of stink. You're not going to get the ball enough. Well, Westbrook's going to get traded to Miami, so it's going to be your show. Whoops, Woj bomb, and you're going to now be playing with Chris Paul. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of that, but I it seems odd to me that you would bring in, that you would make Shea Gilgis-Alexander Gilgis the sort of the focal point of the other trade, the Paul George trade with the Clippers, and kind of demand a guy that they did not want to give up. The Clippers did not want to lose their young, budding star point guard, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They had said they weren't going to trade him, but they finally had to when uh, to get that Paul George deal done, to bring him in and then go bring in an aging star point guard seems a little odd uh, to me. Um, unless they're going to just turn around and flip, flip that house, you know, turn around and trade, trade for him, and then turn around and trade him to someone else for a position of need. I don't know. It'll be that'll be interesting, but it's kind of weird. And certainly, if they if they do hold on to him, it's going to be an odd dynamic with him and Gilgis Alexander uh, together in Oklahoma City. How does uh, Bill Simmons pronounce Gilgis Alexander? Is it Gilgis? Oh, does he? I don't know. <laughs> unlike unlike our buddy Kyle Man, I do not worship at the altar of Bill Simmons. Well, I mean, Ringer pays him money, so he has to. I it's think true. that's in your contract. Uh, but your but to to kind of counter your point. Your, our buddy and your colleague at The Athletic, Brett Dawson, had a tweet about an hour ago that said it is his understanding that OKC intends to have Chris Paul along with Steven Adams and Nero Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander this season. So as we've come to find out, all things are in the moment. But if that is what they're going to do, maybe they'll be a decent team and maybe that'll be what they'll do for this year and maybe just try to win some games to hold serve and not just become a complete rebuild and then down the line or maybe later this year they'll decide to trade some of those pieces and it'll be uh, Shea's show. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on that because it's going to be forever changing in the NBA it seems like at this point because everybody's on the move and often we've talked about some people bring up like untradeable contracts. Well, if you can trade Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, you can basically trade anybody because those were some crazy numbers. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of crazy numbers, 
UK was ranked second in CBS's, what did they call this, Best Athletic Departments in America. It's um, something that CBS kind of put together themselves. The basic concept is they rank schools based off of men's basketball, women's basketball, and football. They weight those a little bit heavier, and then they allow the athletic departments, well, they don't like call up the athletic departments and be like, hey, what other programs would you like to add to this rankings? They put the other two top uh, programs in there. For Kentucky, it was softball, volleyball, um, and men's soccer. Uh, the according to the system, volleyball and softball tied. So it t- pick your one of those in their point system. Uh, but they were behind only Michigan. I, this just kind of shows that Kentucky is having a, t- a ton of success, Kyle. Yeah, it's it's uh, it weights football the most, and then basketball, and then women's basketball. Um, and so it's that's uh, a little bit. It's a little bit skewed because, you know, Kentucky had this historic football season, you know, once in 40 years football season, uh, and then went to the Elite Eight men's basketball. uh, So it's a little different than, like, the Director's Cup where they – I think they weight everything kind of similarly. It's a broad – it's a much more broad, like, totality of your department than this award. But nonetheless, I mean, the sports that really, really, really matter – uh, honestly, are those the sports that they've weighted the highest? And so, um, you know, in that regard, historically, Kentucky's not had many better years as an athletic department than to have a 10-win football team and an Elite Eight basketball team and pretty across-the-board success in all the other sports as well. Yep, uh, 12th in the AP poll for football, Elite Eight for uh, men's basketball, second round in the NCAA tournament. For women's basketball, Elite Eight for men's soccer, and then both softball and volleyball advancing to the round of 16. And as Kentucky points out in their press release, they did not include rifle that was not available um, to be put in these, uh, I don't know, these rankings. So the, in theory, they could have even done a little bit better, but just another, another strong feather in the cap for uh, your buddy Mitch Barnhart. Yeah, I mean, he's, what, Athletic Director of the Year and at least one of those awards this year. Sports um, Business Journal, I believe. I, I don't I don't think you can argue at this point that he's, uh, I would say, what, the best athletic director in school history? I don't oh, know. Oh, buddy. There's a debate we've never uh, had, I don't think, on here, but it's pretty tough to argue with right now. Well, i tell you what. There's some people that will argue with you. And they will say this. He raised my ticket prices, Kyle. He sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, nobody likes to have their ticket prices raised, and I get that. And uh, I think there's some valid, very valid fan uh, complaints about some things. I mean, do a stadium renovation and, and the bulk of the you know, amenities go to the, the big dollar boosters. They're doing uh, add-ons Such is life. Rubber- Go ahead, doing add-ons at Rupp Arena, and those are going to mostly benefit the the big dollar donors. But that is how that is. I will say that is how life works. But it also nobody likes it. You know, nobody that's not in that category particularly enjoys it. I think there were some things they could have done in the football stadium on the front end that would have uh, mitigated some of that yeah. complaint. You know, like fix the Wi-Fi immediately, no matter what it costs. But uh, that said, 
he's pretty broadly upgraded just about everything there is mm-hmm. in UK athletics. At the end of the day, you can only complain so much about a guy who's trying to make every single sport and has pretty well succeeded at it competitive on a national level. Classic socialist Kyle wanting everybody to get the exact same things. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm a guy who was, thought it was absurd that people in the upper deck wanted the hard hats and thought that was some sort of class, <laughs> class warfare. Yeah, why don't we just give everybody in the upper deck a hammer at a basketball game? <laughs> oh, goodness. That... What could go wrong? <laughs> I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap we're gonna end there on this edition of the show. Please follow along. Oh, uh, shout out to Mary. She got her hype train uh, kit today, Kyle. She was very pleased. I got a message from her, so she got her train whistle and her conductor's hat. She loves it. Looking, she she listens on her walks in the morning. So I'm looking forward to having Mary blow that whistle at us in the stands at some point over the. <laughs> course of uh, the basketball season that'd be fantastic um please follow along if you to be entered in that contest you had to follow along on our instagram account which is at locked on uk that's also where you can find us on twitter you can find me at curtis birch b-u-r-c-h kyle is at kyle tucker underscore a-t-h you can read his work on The Athletic, and you can listen to me on 6.30 WLAP weeknights, 6 to 8 p.m., and Sunday mornings, 9 to noon. Please subscribe to the podcast, and the most the most important thing you can do is share the podcast through a text, through social media, or just tell somebody to look up Locked On Kentucky on their favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Former contact. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that'll be enough. And then we'll wrap on um, classic. And, you know, you can't you can't 